We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, Joe Pizzapia, and this is the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I am your host, and it's the hangover day after Christmas. Everyone's eaten too much, uh, laughed too much, argued too much, drank too much. Who knows what you did too much? But uh, hopefully it was a lovely holiday for everybody out there celebrating. Uh, we got our New Year's coming, but before we even get to New Year, we've got another week of DFS in between, and... A fun weekend of NFL to recap, and Joe Bartle is here soldiering through his illness, uh, his cold, in order to bring you his vast knowledge of the game. Joe, how was your holidays, my friend? You know, it was great, and you were talking about the hangover day. For me, it was the hangover of too much Tylenol. I think I was popping those left and right. I think I had more Tylenol than I had brownies, and that's a surprise for anybody that knows me because I'm all over the desserts and the holidays, but... Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're soldiering through, like you said, through the cold. And uh, not just the cold, an eye infection and pink eye. Oh, How is that uh, possible? You know, it's funny. Like, if you have pink eye, I had pink eye once in college. If you have pink eye, you might as well be a leper. It's like, <laughs> you, want to know what, you know, those old Bible stories about a leper? <laughs> it feels like, just, just get pink eye. And that's that's pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's it's brutal. I'll tell you what, Advo cold and sinus, my friends. That is That is everything it is and more. That's the thing you want to be taking. You know it's good because you have to get it over the counter and and show your ID. That's how you know it's good. <laughs> you have to show your license to get it. That's the kind of medicine you want to be on. All right, let's get to uh, the guy who has basically been the medicine for uh, all your fantasy ills. He is the fantasy MVP. It's hard not to turn this recap show into a Todd Gurley love letter, but I mean, it's going to basically be a Todd Gurley love letter. 158 yards receiving, 118 yards rushing two receiving touchdowns, 10 receptions, equaling a 44-point day. Uh, he was almost 19% owned in the Sunday Million. I mean, Joe, does it get much better than this? 
No, and I mean, if we're talking season-long fantasy, too, I doubt many people are listening for season-long, but hey, kudos to you if you had Todd Gurley in your season-long lineup because, yes, you also won your game because he was about the only guy that did something, anything that we were predicting. I mean, this guy has been a rock all season. I, I still don't think he's an MVP guy. Uh, I mean, we had talked maybe off-air about what we thought about Tom Brady and his MVP chances, but certainly for fantasy football, there might not be a bigger MVP than Todd Gurley. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I I'm thinking that he's MVP. Period. You know, I really do. At this point, I I'm I'm looking at that and I say, well, you t- uh, you could say that about every quarterback. You take the quarterback away, the NFL team falls. And and Brady's had a good season, but you know, the last couple of weeks with the picks he's thrown and stuff, you know, I I think he kind of took a hit there stock wise. But for me, when I look at Gurley and what he's done, it's just it's pretty tough. And and I'm and I'm annoyed because I was a very big Todd Gurley supporter in the beginning of the off season, you know, leading into drafts and season long. And I said, look, you can't take this guy who you wanted to draft almost number one overall. And now he's a second round pick. I said, that's insane. You, you have to realize that this is going to be a better scenario with uh, Sean McVay there. And even if it's just a mildly better scenario, that still probably made him a first rounder. And like, I expect him to be fantasy MVP, but you know, I, I hope, you know, folks who listen to my radio show were on Todd Gurley. I know I got a lot of nice tweets over the weekend about Todd Gurley winning them championships. So I hope so. And, and, you know, it just goes to show you, I think everybody needs to, you know, take a breath sometimes and realize that a down season or a year where things don't go according to plan doesn't necessarily mean you write off a player, especially one as young and as talented as a guy like that. So since we're starting here, we might as well continue with the rest of the running backs. Um, you know, I've been hammering this guy all year. Bilal Pal actually happened this weekend. And, um, you know, it only took him 16 weeks to get there. But, you know, I got to say, I wasn't on this. I didn't like him at all. It made sense that he was going to be useful considering the pass rush. But at the same time, it's not something I was buying in on. But, you know, going forward into next year, we'll kind of turn this into this kind of a program today. Do you think that Bilal Pal is a guy that, you know, with the right system there with him, could be a nice DFS play or a nice flex play going forward next year. Be because I mean he does have ability. He has ability for these big, big games. It just seems like the usage isn't always there. Going back to Gurley for just one second, DeAndre Hopkins was that guy for me that you were just talking about as a person that we were drafting in the beginning of the first rounds two years prior that somehow fell into the second round based on some circumstances that we really didn't understand uh, as far as fantasy experts go. And lo and behold, he's doing well. I'm sure we'll talk about him later in the broadcast too. So, I, again, if we're talking about for next year, think about a Julio Jones, think about a Mike Evans who we were so high on and didn't do so well. Julio may be a different circumstance, but certainly Mike Evans, he'll probably be ending around the, the second round of uh, standard drafts next year. When he, You know he is a first-round talent, and there are reasons he took him in the first round this year. He, didn't, he wasn't able to replicate those. But, I mean, that's one of the situations, again, just keep that in mind as we're looking forward to stuff for next year. Back to Paolo, I, I, I think that he'll always be a guy that, uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride, I think is a situation for me. I don't feel confident using him. and I don't even know if I wanted to use him in season long, depending on if he gets the right situations. I, I think that Jets offense was kind of built for him. And if he wasn't able to do it this year, given everything on all the injuries that happened and everything they used him for, I don't know when I want to use him both in DFS and in season long. Yeah, uh, that's a good that's a good point. Deion Lewis, uh, another big game from him. People were wondering, is Mike Gillisley going to really be a thing? Or you know, and Gillisley, of course, did get a touchdown. We all knew Gillisley was going to get a touchdown. <laughs> that was that was pretty much an obvious one. Uh, but <clears throat> Deion Lewis, look, twenty four for one twenty nine, a touchdown. Everybody wants to hammer the Patriots' backfield, but you know what? It's a backfield that you know about six weeks into the season, once Deion Lewis was really ready, he really took over, and he was pretty consistently. 
useful. I think that's the best way to put it is useful when you're looking for a little bit of salary relief and it's the right kind of matchup. Uh, the rest of these, you know, we, we could talk about Ezekiel Elliott too. Uh, was that in line with your expectations of Elliott? I mean, 24 for 97. He didn't have the touchdown uh, rushing. That would have changed, I think, his, uh, his day considerably. Do you agree? I was a little bit surprised they gave him as many carries as they did. There, there was a lot of talk. It flip-flopped, it seems, at the beginning of the week. Uh, Zeke Elliott's not going to get as many carries as he normally does. He's coming off a six-game layoff. He was partying in Cancun. I mean, I'm sorry, working out in Cancun. Uh, and, and then we have a situation now at the end of the week where we're like, well, no, Zeke's can get his full workload. We definitely need him to win. We're trying to make the playoffs despite the fact that we know we can't. Uh, so I, I thought maybe it'd be around 20 – 20 to 25, including the catches, too. I wasn't expecting 24 carries overall. So, I, I you know, the yardage-wise was going to be there as long as he's getting that much workload. He's talent that you expect to get around four yards per carry, and that's what he did there. So, yes and no would be my answer, depending on all the stuff that Jason Garrett was saying at the beginning of the week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's um... – that's not shocking to me that he would go for 24 carries. It's not because in two games left, he's a young kid. That didn't shock me at all. And I thought the investment, it was one that in the beginning of the week I was interested in, you know, because I was going to be hungry to come back. And then I kind of faded away from it as the week went on and changed him out. In fact, it changed him for a lot of Kareem Hunt, who actually did have a good day. Uh, another 25-plus touch for him, another touchdown for him. And what a shock, another W for the Kansas City Chiefs. Isn't it amazing, Joe, when Kareem Hunt touches the ball 25 times out of the backfield? that all of a sudden the, the, there's a W in that column uh, for the Chiefs? That's going to be one of those things that hangs over this entire fantasy season. What could have been if the Chiefs decide to do, I don't know, the smart thing, the obvious thing, the right thing, and use Kareem Hunt more than they did for large portions of the season, once they change their offensive coordinator, things have certainly flipped, it feels like. Both Kelsey's getting involved, Tyreek Hill, another weapon that was really oddly used when Andy Reid was making the play calls. And then Kareem Hunt, the Chiefs are winning, of course, but both uh, Kareem Hunt and really Tyreek Hill are doing a lot more than we expected uh, if we talked if we had this conversation at the halfway point of the NFL season. I, I don't understand that. I don't think I ever will. Kareem Hunt's going to go in the first round uh, of season-long drafts next year, and I think that's rightfully so, so long as they continue to do what they are doing now, and that is to use him effectively both as a running and a receiving option. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm confused. I'm disappointed in <laughs> the Chiefs. Because I think that guy's a talent. I don't understand what happened during the middle of the season. Well, luckily, at least the play calling, you know, once that changed over, you can see, uh, I mean, the last three games, you can see the difference. I mean, it's, it's 25 plus, 25 plus, 25 plus every, every week. And it's W's, you know, the W's are coming more competitive chiefs offenses they're around. And I think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, they had to go through this, but I, I think they've learned from their mistake and whether it's Andy Reid or somebody else, running that show next year. I think you can expect a lot more Kareem Hunt. All right, let's go over to the receiving leaders. Obviously, Todd Gurley is the top with 10 for 158 and two touchdowns. If you didn't have Todd Gurley uh, in, a, in a tournament last week, uh, on Sunday, I should say, it was just kind of a – it was going to be a hard time. It really was. Julio Jones, 7 for 149. Again, no touchdowns. The lack of touchdowns for Julio. I know he's played hurt. He's played through injuries this year, and he soldiered on. Uh, but, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the lack of touchdowns has been uh, disappointing. Larry Fitzgerald was a guy that we were on the podcast on Friday, John and I. He went for nine for 119. That touchdown, a very solid game from him. Uh, Tyreek Hill also went over 100 yards. So did Keelan Cole. So did Mike Evans. Unfortunately, all three of them, no touchdowns there. Uh, nobody had Jakeem Grant. I'm sorry. It was 0.1% of people who had that. I know somebody in a DK lineup 
as I don't know how that happened. Uh, but you know, I think somebody might've just accidentally <laughs> clicked on his name. That would be my guess, but uh, Hey, good for them. It was kind of a, a quiet one. I mean, Keelan Cole was a guy that I, I was unsure of the carryover. Once Hearns was out, I think, you know, when that decision came down uh, Sunday afternoon, I think all of a sudden the Keelan Cole shares made a lot more sense. Do you think Keelan Cole is a guy here, even going into next week, that we can buy into a little bit? I don't know if he's for real in the sense that I want to take him in season-long leagues next year, but certainly next week I feel confident. I mean, the Jaguars still have a lot to play for in terms of playoff positioning, I believe. And the fact that Alan Hearns, Alan Hearns, if he was healthy or not, I, I still felt like Keelan Cole was a good play. I didn't. I thought I thought Hearns was going to be limited, and I still think even if Hearns is active next week, he will be limited as well. If you were listening to the comments and reading some of the stuff, he was talking about he was seventy percent the rest of the season. If he's seventy percent the rest of the season, I don't know why they're playing him to begin with, because they have a lot of receivers that seem to come out of nowhere and do pretty well. I don't know if that's a product of Blake Bortles, maybe a product of the the running game that opens up a lot of lanes in the passing area, but. I think Keelan Cole is a guy that I feel confident using next week. And, and likely, as long as he's hovering around – I mean, he was 5,300 on FanDuel this past week. If he's anywhere near that, I mean, if he's under 7K, I feel confident using him because they have to throw it on. There, there isn't all that many options to use, and they can only run with Leonard Fournette so much for, until he just dies. So I think that Cole <laughs> has to be a guy that you're looking at if he's under 7K, given the, the Jaguars and everything they're playing for yet. Yeah, over on the tight end side, too, Hunter Henry out. Antonio Gates was 4% on the Sunday million. He went up to 17 points. He had a nice day. So old man Gates kind of going out on a nice, uh, you know, kind of uh, as he rides off into the sunset, most likely, you know, the six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown was a terrific return on investment for 4,500 in a week where, you know, Gronkowski was a good own, but it cost you to go all the way up to the top of the board to own him. So tight end again becomes that position. If you can get the touchdown, if you can get the most for the least amount, that's going to be the formula for good things to happen to you. All right, let's talk about the quarterbacks. And we'll start with Blake Bortles, who was the trendy pick, especially against the 49ers. Now, his numbers on the road, not great. The three picks, that's really what kind of, you know, undid a lot of the good he did. He did have the two touchdowns. He did lead uh, all quarterbacks in passing yards, 382. So a little good, a little bad. But, I mean, isn't that Blake Bortles when all is said and done? Yes, I mean, that's going to be Blake Bortles for his entire career. I have no idea what the Jaguars are going to do next season. I think Tom Coughlin is wishing and praying the Giants will release Eli Manning so that Eli can happily ride over to the sunset of Jacksonville and, and try to win them a championship. I don't think that's going to happen. And if that's the case, I have no idea because Bortles has played well enough where they could consider multiple years with him. But we know what the history of Blake Bortles is, and you just mentioned it earlier. He's going to be a turnover-prone guy, and he's going to be a guy that you likely are never going to win a championship with. I, I mean, I feel fairly certain as a fantasy analyst saying that the Jaguars will never win a championship with Blake Bortles. And if that's the case, what are you doing with him as your starting quarterback? Is there a better option to find out there? In terms of daily fantasy, I think that he's probably right in line with what we're shooting for, a guy that we can know that can throw multiple touchdowns, but all multiple interceptions. To me, he's the perfect – he's the microcosm of a tournament play in, in 2017 for football. I mean, right? I mean, that sure. Wyatt can hinge on how he does based on really how the Jaguars do as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not going to argue with that. And Bortles' road stats too, you know, it's something that, you know, I think people were ignoring a little bit. The road numbers were not quite as good. And uh, if you go down the list of this list here, Jared Goff was another quarterback that you wanted to own this past weekend, 300 yards with four touchdowns. Now, Goff, ironically, has been a really good pairing. Probably the best pairing you could have with Goff all year has been Gurley. 
because Goff's salary has been pretty suppressed because just nobody really wants to buy into him. But, you know, he's been more good than bad for sure this year. And, you know, usually you want to pair the quarterback with the big wide receiver, but because you're never sure exactly how that wide receiver situation is going to work out, the pairing with Gurley has been the one that you wanted most of the year. And I'll tell you what, this was another one where that was certainly the case. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we've talked a lot about Jared Goff. I feel like as we've done this podcast every Monday, uh, and I have been reluctant to get on board with the Jared Goff train, and I will continue to be reluctant to get on that train. I don't feel great about using him. Look at a guy like Cam Newton, who's 8,300 going against the Buccaneers defense. I would much rather go against that, or I'd much rather do that, I should say, than go against Goff. And I don't really feel great about Goff and season-long stuff next year. I think, you know, Sean McVay is clearly a miracle worker. I kind of want to talk to him and see if he can fix my cold, because at this point, I think he can do anything. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I just don't – I don't know. I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to be convinced on Jared Goff, given everything we saw his rookie year. I know that things are changed, players will change, but he's one of those players that I'm never going to – I don't think I'm ever going to fully buy into. Now, Kirk Cousins, who I think is going to have a new home next year, had himself a nice day also. Three touchdowns for him, 299 yards. He did throw the one pick. But, you know, if Cousins can get himself into a better scenario somewhere where, <clears throat> you know, look, he's played relatively well this year. We, we all know that he's a capable quarterback. I think if you gave him a legit running game, if you gave him, uh, you know, a little bit more talent around him I, I and a good situation where, you know, he is – how should I put it? He is valued as the man because I feel like he's not. And I feel like eventually it's like this weird, bad relationship where they keep coming back to each other, but it's kind of abusive. And it's it's like, you know, like, well, you know, the, the Washington Redskins are like, well, I don't want to be alone on Sunday. And Kirk Cousins is like, well, I don't want to be alone. And, you know, they get together, but then all they do is fight. And it's just they're miserable. And they ruin everybody else's time. Like, like everybody who's out with Kirk Cousins and the Redskins, everybody has a terrible time at dinner. And I feel like that's, that's what Kirk Cousins and this drama has begun. If you had a place for Kirk Cousins next year, where would you put him in your mind? Oh, man, that's, that's a great question. And that was a great analogy, too. You seem to hit that pretty spot on. I just I came think- up with it. That, literally <laughs> just now. Oh, yeah. Everything's off the top of my No, it really is. Everything is off the top of my head because I can't work any other way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that I, I would love to see Cousins on the Jaguars. I know I talked about how – Tom Coughlin love Eli Manning on the Jaguars, but to me, I think they have enough money where they could go all in on Kirk Cousins, and they have a great defense. They already have a great running game. They clearly can just sprout receivers uh, just like Miracle Grow. it feels like. I think Kirk Cousins, to me, would be a perfect fit in Jacksonville. I really think that he actually could win them a championship. So I, have, I would agree with you. I think Cousins is a very legitimate quarterback. I was slow to get on that train, but, uh, you know, there's something about fighting through adversity, whether it was the RG3 getting drafted in front of him. Really, this whole season and even season past, it feels like fighting adversity. And he has absolutely no receivers to work with, and he's still doing a lot of miracle working himself. I think that I would love to see Kirk Cousins at Jacksonville. I think that would do a lot of difference, both in the NFL as far as toppling the mighty Patriots and then also as far as bringing back some success to Jacksonville. And you know what? Jacksonville was, I say, too, because you don't, if you, I mean, I understand the idea like, okay, let's make a run here with Eli. He's been there and done that and all that stuff, but that's a short window. That's another year, maybe two, you know, depending on how he holds up. I mean, he's getting older too. And, and there's certainly a you know, lesser version of Eli Manning out there. But to me, the other spot that I would like to see him, I, I think if Cousins goes to Jacksonville, I think they could have a couple years of being a very good football team. That's going to challenge for a lot of AFC titles. But the other one to me is the Arizona Cardinals. I think that if Kirk Cousins goes there with a quarterback guru who is aggressive, who likes to throw the football the way Bruce Arians does, that 
Kirk Cousins can be a perennial passing yards leader. And if you could get a healthy David Johnson back with him, my goodness, that is, that is something. I think that'll convince Larry Fitzgerald to stick around maybe a little longer than he intended. And I think all of a sudden that becomes a kind of a winnable, you know, I get that the Rams have been good, but I think everybody can agree that the Seahawks are starting to take a downturn. <clears throat> and I think that there's opportunity there for the Arizona Cardinals to maybe sneak back in that conversation. All right. There's no Monday, Thursday slate this week. So uh, what we've got is the main slate on Sunday. So what we're going to do is we're going to do our hot takes uh, through some of this stuff here. We'll do the full breakdown on Friday's show with uh, John and myself. So let's uh, start here and let's start with Todd Gurley. Now, uh, in terms of, you know, matchup against San Francisco, sure, you got to love it. And, and let me also say this too. Week 17 is the highest pay line threshold most years. Uh, it's because everybody basically phones it in on defense because everyone's got their plane tickets. They're ready to go home. The season's over. So scores are going to be high. Uh, you also got to be very careful, right, Joe, because you got these players, some of them who, you know, don't have a lot to play for, who are going to get pulled out of these games. Todd Gurley's at 9,800. I've got to look at all the times of the games and everything and go through it. But right off the bat, I mean, do you think he's playing another game here uh, enough to warrant that enormous salary? That's the highest priced player on Sunday slate. And there is absolutely no way I'm going that direction of Todd Gurley simply because the high price, I don't think the Rams are going to really be messing around with him. I don't how much is there to play for the Eagles have already locked up a number one seed. I believe the, the Rams are still fighting for that number two with the Vikings. And the Vikings very well could win that. But at the same time, I don't think that you should mess around with Todd Gurley, given everything he means to your team. All it takes one injury, and we know that he does have a little bit of injury concerns. It's not as if the 49ers, with Jimmy Garoppolo, it's, it's a different matter. And I, I really like that team moving forward. But they still aren't that great defensively. I think you can get by with, you know, uh, Benny Cunningham or whatever else. I, I don't think Todd Gurley plays all that much, and I certainly am not going to be going up to that 9,800 price tag. I'm not sure how the tiebreakers work out, but if the Vikings lose and the Rams win, they'll both be 12-4. and four. Uh, Do you off the top of your head know that, that, that tiebreaker? Because I don't right now. So that, that really depends on whether or not you, know, you can use guys. You've got to go into these tiebreakers, and it's only you know, Tuesday here. So we've got a lot of time to dig into that, and we'll have all that stuff for you on Friday. But that's what you've got to know. You've got to know who's playing for what, if they can better their situation. And at a certain point, also, the game times of what's going on because – if something happens in the one o'clock game where it seals the four o'clock game, then you've got to be able to late swap. You got to be able to pivot out. So it's a, it's a very tricky week. It's in a lot of ways, the trickiest week. I think, I think week one and week 17 are the two most difficult weeks to peg down in DFS. Would you agree with that? Oh, I certainly would. And I, I, honestly, I don't know the tiebreaker situation. My thought is that the Rams could clinch the number two, depending on if the Vikings lose, because they would have been all over that during the Packers game as the Vikings were just whooping their butt. They would have been talking about how they've locked up the number two seed or something. Right, like right. Fact. I don't think they've locked it in, you know. And right. the Saints are eleven and four, also, which bears, and so are the Panthers. So, you know, it seems like there's a lot going on. Again, it, it's more the breakdown of the games and whatnot. Uh, Alvin Kamara is eighty eight hundred. Uh, he, you know, it was a, a disappointing game by Alvin Kamara's standards this past week, um, but I wouldn't give up on him. That's for damn sure. I'll continue to go down this list. I'll tell you what, Kareem Hunt is eighty one hundred next week against Denver. Joe, I don't know about you, but what I've seen, 25 carries, 24 carries, 29 carries. He's catching the ball out of the backfield as well. He's got four touchdowns in the last three games. I'm not afraid of that Denver defense enough to, to not be interested in Kareem Hunt. Exactly. And you talked about that Denver defense 
they don't have anything to play for. There really isn't anything going on. And they're losing a little bit of their teeth. That was not even a team I really consider when we're talking about uh, the Kirk Cousins conversation. He could have went there too and really boosted Demaryius Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders if he goes there next year. But I don't know if that defense is really up to snub. I think that they have maybe a year or two more of Dominus, and then it's kind of downhill. I think that Kareem Hunt is a very interesting name. And should Melvin Gordon miss Week 17, which right now looks to be the case, I like Brandon Oliver, but I think I like Austin Eckler even more, and in FanDuel in particular. I think that he could be a very interesting mm. name, depending if they want to use him. They're both under 6K, so that's that's a salary break if you ever needed one at all. The wide receiver spot, you know, there's a couple of guys that are interesting to me that are higher priced. So Brandon Oliver or Austin Eckler are both interesting names for me going against the Raiders, and the Chargers need to win that game to stay in the hunt. That's a great call there on Eckler. I love that one. Do you think Alex Collins is in the mix? I know he's had two disappointing weeks. At 6,800, though, against the Bengals, who the, you know were the worst teams in the football against the rush. And, again, Baltimore, all the AFC teams are really, you know, everybody's got to play <laughs> next week because it's, it's tight right now. They are jockeying for position here. So, you know, the Ravens, Chiefs, Jaguars, Titans are all in it and playing, you know, for those seasons, especially, you know, we got the Chargers right on the outside looking in there. Um, do you think that – Collins is another guy that might be a, a sneaky good use this week. Absolutely. I think that Collins really actually is a pretty darn good running back, and he's just ran tough situations the last two weeks. Look at a guy like Christian McCaffrey, two at 6,900. Both of those players, I feel, are going to be able to bring back positive return of investment. If nothing else, then they're going to be getting the ball a lot. And I think Collins is guaranteed at least 15 touches. I want a running back who's guaranteed at least 15 touches going against the Bengals. Yes, please, especially 107K. I think there's a lot of different variety you could do with this running back spot. You talked about Week 17 being such a tough one in terms of DFS. That's in part because there's a lot of different guys that, A, we'll never have heard of that will be getting 20, 25 carries. And then, B, because those guys that are getting, we've never heard of, we're trying to fit into our lineup, we're going to miss the obvious ones. Mm -hmm. I think Alex Collins is about as obvious as it gets. It's It's under 7K as far as getting a ton of carries going against a bad defense. All right, Ben Roethlisberger, let's go over to the quarterbacks at home, 8,500 against the Cleveland Browns. Now, that's going to be a pretty chalky play, but he doesn't have Antonio Brown. So I don't know if, if, if I am feeling it, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like people will look at that and automatically go, yes, Roethlisberger, home, Browns, yes. But, you know, Roethlisberger without Antonio Brown is just not, you know, to me as exciting of a pick. Um, how about you? What are your thoughts on Big Ben this week? I'm not I'm not super high on that. I mean, he's the third highest priced quarterback. We're talking about Tom Brady. He's right in line with Russell Wilson. He's only $200 less than. The Seahawks really aren't going to be playing for anything, neither of the Cardinals, so I'm not going that direction. Why would anyone do anything else besides Matthew Stafford against the Lions? I recognize that Case Keenum didn't do a lot against the Packers, and that's literally because he didn't oh, have you mean to. Matthew Stafford against Packers, I think you mean. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Matthew Stafford no, okay. against the Packers. Sometimes it feels like Matt Stafford's going against the Lions with yeah, the way he well, plays and- sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But Matthew Stafford going against the Packers, I recognize that Case Keenum didn't have to do much. That's because he could have sat back there and punted to the Packers' offense every time, and the Vikings still would have won last week. At 7,800 <laughs> going against what will be a god-awful Packers defense, I'm pretty sure they called me up to play at cornerback. And I had to decline because I was worried about injury at this point. I, I don't know why else, and you wouldn't go anywhere else but Matthew Stafford at 7,800. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because at 7,600, I like Kirk Cousins against the Giants. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, give me Kirk Cousins against the Giants. they talk about all kinds of quit. Talk about all kinds of done. That team, and then they got to travel all the way back after that embarrassing loss in Arizona. I don't want to hear about their self-respect. 
because they don't have any. So don't even tell me. It's give me Kirk Cousins this week. I like Jared Goff a lot as well. I really think Goff is in for a, a good game against San Francisco. You saw how many Bortles put up on him. Uh, I mean, I think Goff can certainly do that and more. But, oh, oh, all the Kirk Cousins, there's your hot take this week. All right, over 2.5 million players have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer. For new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash RotoWire, and you'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription plus entry into the NFL Sunday Million. You got one more week, kids. It offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RotoWire. Void where prohibited. All right, a quick look at some of the wide receivers. DeAndre Hopkins against Indianapolis. Uh, yes, please. Yes, please. If you want to spend, look, Kirk Cousins is going to make this. It's going to help. $7,600 Kirk Cousins is going to help me get DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think there would be a lineup I make without DeAndre Hopkins this week. I think that's exactly what I was looking at when I was talking about Matthew Stafford against the Packers. It's to free up DeAndre Hopkins. We talked to him earlier in the podcast. He was a guy that, again, like Todd Gurley, was, you were drafting super early two years ago, didn't do well. Now he's a second-round talent for really no reason, it felt like, other than he disappointed a lot of people. I, we're beginning to see, I think, uh, that changing of the guard, so to speak, as far as the top receivers go. I think that Julio Jones is maybe losing just a tiny bit of a step I think the guy that's going to replace him is Andre Hopkins. He, I could be throwing to him, and he'd still be getting around 80 receiving yards and a touchdown, it feels like. I don't know who else is going to be quarterback against the Colts in Week 17, but I sure as hell want to have DeAndre Hopkins in my lap. I don't care how high-priced he is. I want to have that guy in there. Yeah, I don't know if it matters at this point. As long as his right. name isn't Brock Osweiler, I mean, who the hell cares? <laughs> I mean, it seems like Osweiler had been that one guy. Uh, you know, going through the, the wide receiver list, too, uh, is there anybody that right away, as you first glance, pops to you either good or bad, a guy you want to stay away from, or a guy where you say, yeah, uh, I, I think there's a sneaky good option here? I, I'm really actually intrigued by Larry Fitzgerald at 7,500 against the Seahawks. I think that that's going to be a weird high-octane game. It's going to be in, in Seattle, too. And I think that depending on really how the situations go, I, I think it's going to be high scoring. I think there's going to be like a 35 to 32 kind of game, and I don't know why – an NFL team is going to score 32 points, but that's just the number that came to my head, so I'm going to roll with it. I think that Fitzgerald's actually kind of an interesting name and, and certainly a tournament play, in my opinion. I don't know if I want to do it in a, a 50-50 type of deal because, I mean, the Seahawks defense is better than certainly what Fitzgerald has seen in recent weeks, but he kind of, like DeAndre Hopkins, is just getting utilized so much that I wonder if you can avoid him at all. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with that one at all. I think that's a good take there. Uh, all right, one more, and then we're out of here. Let's do hot take on the tight ends. Gronk versus the Jets. I mean, 8,500. I mean, we all know. I mean, Gronk has been fun. It was a great touchdown catch to you uh, <laughs> against Buffalo there. So, uh, you know, he returned value, but it's it's only two times value because the salary is so high. You got Zach Ertz against Dallas at 71. Uh, that, I think, is going to be very popular. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think for good reason, too. Uh, Nick Foles still seems to be looking Ertz's direction, which is great given how uh, well he's done this season with Carson Wentz under center. I think that's fine. I also talk about Antonio Gates at 5,700. I didn't think that they would utilize him as effectively as they did last week, they being the Chargers. I thought maybe it was going to be a, you know, a, a, a double or triple type of tight end game where all three of them get involved. And they had talked about that earlier in the week, and then that ended up being not at all the case. Antonio Gates is super – slow I can run a faster 40 than he can but at the same time he, he's got a way with Philip Rivers and, and kind of moving around the defense there and against the Raiders too that seem to also be perpetually bad stopping the tight end spot I like him at 5700 if you need a salary break for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins 
and Michael Thomas or Todd Gurley or something like that. I would love to watch you and Antonio Gates run a 40. <laughs> In fact, that's what I That's the hashtag Joe Bartle, Antonio Gates 40. <laughs> Bartle Gates 40 right there. There's your hashtag of the show for sure. Let's make that happen. This is what I want to see this offseason. I think we can get him to do it. Maybe for charity. We'll see if we get the tweet out there and get it going. All right. You can follow him. You can follow him at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe Pisa PS17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great week of daily fantasy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.